And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Late night Midnight on the interstate I didn't feel so great Until I saw the city Welcome back to Straight from the Source of Michael Russo. Thanks, as always, for tuning in. If you're not an Athletic subscriber, theathletic.com slash straight from the source will get you in for a buck a month. A buck a month right now, theathletic.com slash straight from the source. My guest today, Mike Gensel, the former longtime University of Minnesota mainstay. He uh, played at the U as a defenseman. And he uh, coached there for 14 years, won a couple national championships, left for a couple, then returned for eight when he was associated co- associate coach uh, to Don Lucia. And um, actually in 2012, during the lockout, I covered the Gophers, and it was just fun getting to know Mike. And now he's an Arizona Coyote scout the last four years. I see him on press row at every single uh, wild game. He's in charge of the Central Division for the Arizona Coyotes. So he uh, covers um, a lot of the home games for the uh, teams in the Central Division and also their minor league affiliates as well. So Mike Gensel uh, out on the road all the time. A fun conversation with him about the Frozen Four, about his time at the University of Minnesota, his coaching career versus scouting. Uh, with the Coyotes, and of course, his superstar son, uh, Jake Ensel, who is the star of the, my Donkey Hockey League team. And uh, Jake Ensel has me right now in a championship match against my arch nemesis, Anthony LaPanta, the commissioner of the league. Anthony LaPanta, as you know, if you listen to my podcast with Anthony, he wrote the quote-unquote collective bargaining agreement that seems to be skewed all the rules to helping him win championships after championships where I'm going to come in there and try to slaughter the dragon this year, this week, uh, the next two weeks, actually. So um, very kind of Mike Gensel to say that he was going to give Jake a pep talk these next couple of weeks to make sure he plays super well to help get me 
uh, the title in the Donkey Hockey League. Uh, speaking of donkeys, Brendan Lemieux played for the LA Kings yesterday, but I digress. Um, so uh, let's talk about the Wild. Wild um, come back after a uh, two one-on-one road trip. They won their first two games in impressive fashion in Raleigh and, and Washington, D.C., then go to Nashville. And uh, don't play great and wind up losing that game. Their penalty kill was atrocious. And then they go to St. Louis. They build a 3-1 lead after a slow start and then blow that lead uh, promptly and wind up losing in overtime. Um, so they come home against the LA Kings and they fall behind quickly 3-0. Fans are going absolutely bonkers, at least on Twitter. I'm sure in their home too and in the arena, those people that paid uh, big money and what did the Wild do? Um, you know, First of all, Dean Evason uh, didn't like the way the Wild were playing, didn't exactly love the goaltending from Marc-Andre Fleury, but he stuck with Fleury. As we know, Dean Evason is three seasons as Wild coach, has only pulled his goalie once for poor poor performance. And that was Capo Kakinen a couple weeks before he was traded. Um, and actually that set really the Cam Talbot uh, hot streak going, uh, really that, that game that he came in, played the third period really well. Then they went, he went on a tear in the next, uh, eight or nine games. Um, and, and Cam still hasn't lost in regulation in a long, long time, but, um, back to, uh, back to pulling the goalie. He just hates to do so. Um, you know, he, I mean, we know in mean, St. Louis, right? He left Capo Cacman for nine, then another game against St. Louis seven. So he doesn't pull his goalie a lot. And he really considered it just even if it wasn't for Flurry, just to give the team, uh, which wasn't playing well, a little bit of a boost. But he stuck with him. And who else but Kirill Kaprizov scores, um, you know, about five minutes after Kempe scores. And then what, the Wild get a huge goal 50 seconds later from Matt Boldy, just a great, great one-timer after Kevin Fiala wins a puck battle in the corner. And then on the thir- first shot of the second period, Jared Spurgeon uh, intercepts a pass, an outlet, drives the net, and sweeps a backhander under Cal Peterson. And so three Three goals, three shots. It's now a 3-3 game, and the Wild wound up going, uh, scoring six unanswered, getting 29 saves in a row from Marc-Andre Fleury, and they go out and extend their home point streak to nine games, now 8-0-1 in their last nine at XL Energy Center. Overall, the Wild are 12-2-3 in their last 17 games as well. That's a 794 save percentage, and as you know, uh, during this run, the Wild have, I believe, the second-best points percentage in the NHL. So, um, you know, overall, they're playing really well. A little, what is concerning, though, is that they got a playoff match that they're going to have to play probably the St. Louis Blues unless something really unforeseen happens. It's like 93% now that the Wild meet the Blues in the first round of the playoffs. Well, the Wild are 2-7-4 and four in their last 13 games against the Blues. If you turn that around in NHL math, the Blues are 11-1-1 in their last 13 against the Wild. So, you know, this they, they play there on Saturday afternoon, 2 p.m. game. It's uh, nationally televised on uh, ABC. And... You know, this is a game to me the Wild have to win. I know that that it's a brand new season. You wipe the slate clean in the playoffs, but at some point you got to beat this team. At some point you got to show them that you can beat them. And they're not just losing games to the Blues. They're getting destroyed in a lot of these games against the Blues. And to me, you can't just expect to flip the switch. You got to show that team that you can beat them. They are a beatable team, but you got to do it. And um, we'll we'll see that game Tuesday to me. It's Saturday to me is is very, very important for the wild to go in there, play well and find and find a way to win that game. And we'll see if it happens. Um, you know, I, I just think that it's important for the wild to go in the playoffs uh, with that um, with that that you know, sort of mojo that, that belief that they can go out and beat that team. Um, now the wild, one other thing that is concerning is that we know the wild have been absolutely dominant against the Eastern conferences here, especially the Metro division in the 
their own Western Conference, though, against playoff teams, uh, very mediocre. They're 6-10-2 right now against current playoff teams. And if you put the ninth team in there, Vegas, the Wild are 1-2 against Vegas. So they are 7-12-2 against the top nine teams in the league, obviously excluding them in the conference, excuse me, against the central division teams currently in the playoffs. So um, who would that be? Colorado, Nashville, St. Louis, and Dallas. The Wild are 2-7-2 against the central. That uh, is concerning. And so, uh, look, these are just the facts. I think this wild team is a special team that has the ability to go on a tear. I wouldn't want to face them in the first round. But the reality is, in the games that have mattered against the teams that they might have to meet in the playoffs, they haven't been very good. And so, um, you know, they've gotten their points pretty much elsewhere against the bottom teams in the West and the entire Eastern Conference has been just patsies for them all season long. Um, so those are, uh, you know, things that have to get done. Uh, what else? Um, I'll, I'll talk about Ben Myers in a second. I want to talk about that overtime mess up uh, the other day in St. Louis because I've talked to uh, people in the league and basically figured out exactly who messed up. And it was pretty much collective everybody. In fact, the guy that looked like he messed up the most, Freddie Goudreau, is the one guy that really didn't mess up. And I'll talk about that in a second. And by the way, Friday, um, I landed from Dallas in St. Louis and I am supposed to, um, the wild practice at one, and I'm either going to squeeze it in before or try to meet with him in the afternoon. I'm going to be sitting down with Tim Peel, the former NHL referee, longtime NHL ref for a podcast. That should be a really fun one. The best dressed referee in NHL history, in my opinion. Guy was always dapper um, whenever we saw him in the press room or after games or in concerts. So it'll, it'll be a fun uh, podcast with Tim Peel. He's an open book, um, and uh, it'll just be fun to t- chat with him best about his entire career officiating today versus when he really started, and of course the way that his career ended as well. He's a um, you know as I mentioned an open open book. Um, trying to think what else. Um, as we know, Kirill Kaprizov now the Wild single season. Uh, points leader with 89, well on his way to 100 with, what, 11 games left in the season. Uh, I'm sure he'll get a rest once the Wild clinch, but um, I think that they'll give him a chance to get to 100. Um, he is now at 42 goals. That ties the record shared by Aristotle and Marion Gabrick, so that looks like it will be his, um, barring something unforeseen. In fact, I wouldn't shock me the way that he is scoring, that he is uh, going to be aiming for that 50-goal mark. I still think that if uh, Dean Evason a couple of weeks ago challenged that goalie interference on the play that he scored, the one where the Wild had one wiped off when they said that Hartman interfered with the goaltender, I bet you if that was reviewed, that would have been reversed, and he'd have 43 right now, but I digress. Um, Karol Kaprizov, just to show you why I think he's going to get to 50. He is, he has 10 goals in his last 10 games, and that's at least one in nine of those 10. So if he continues on that pace, he'll get to 50. Um, he has 18 goals in his past 19 games. That's the second most goals in the NHL since uh, March 4th. The leader there is the uh, eventual Hart Trophy winner, Austin Matthews, who has 21 in that stand, in that, uh, in that uh, span. Um, and also not a shock last night that Karel Kaprizov gets the comeback started. He is tied for third in the NHL with 35 points when his team is trailing. He's tied with Jonathan Huberdeau, just a hair ahead of him is, uh, Monday's, uh, Tuesday's opponents, Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. So if either of those teams, uh, get down in that game, uh, it is not over. Uh, Matt Zuccarello and Karel Kaprizov each scored last night. Amazingly, they didn't assist on each other's goals, but Zuccarello is one assist from breaking Pierre-Marc Bouchard's record of 50. They share that right now. And um, the other thing I wanted to talk about was the goaltending uh, right now between Marc-Andre Fleury and Cam Talbot. Uh, Fleury 
Um, obviously had the tough game in Nashville. I don't blame him for pretty much any of those goals. Wild can't kill a penalty, and all those were just incredible plays, pretty much set up by their quarterback, Roman Yossi, who honestly is somebody that I'm leaning toward voting for the Norris Trophy over Cal McCarr. Nor- Roman Yossi is just an amazing defenseman, and um, and it's it's hard to imagine that if they found a way. You know, I remember thinking back in the day that all these uh, Predators fans that used to boo Ryan Suter all the time probably should have thanked Ryan Suter uh, for leaving because uh, Roman Yossi, I just don't know how they would have been able to make all the the pegs uh, fit in their salary cap structure if uh, Suter was there and Jay Weber there on those 14 and 13 or those, you know, 13-year deals, 14-year deals. Remember, um, uh, Shea Weber signed the 14-year offer sheet and the, the Predators matched and then the Wild again. And, um, you know, signed Suter to a 13-year deal, and one would have to assume that if Nashville was going to be able to win that uh, that negotiating battle against all those teams that were after Ryan Suter, that they would have had to give him a 13-year deal too at the same same or more price. And uh, so, if, you know, does Roman Yossi fit into that structure? And this guy is an absolute superstar defenseman and just amazing to watch. And he single-handedly um, set up those goals. In fact, that high tip by Ryan Johansson, I think it was his first second goal of his three that night i mean that look look at that replay ryan i mean right roman usually looks like a quarterback he literally teased aims for the stick puts it right on his blade and uh and it was just a beautiful goal um but this rotation the last 10 games i'll be interested to see if maybe uh dean evison against the edmonton oilers actually comes back with mark andre Fleury, or if he'll continue the rotation um, Flurry is four and one with a 2.44 goals against average and a 9.26 save percentage with the Wild. Cam Talbot nine zero and two in his past 12 appearances and has a 2.34 goals against average and 19 9.18 save percentage um, in that span. So both these goalies playing well, both rotating. I asked Mark Andre Flurry after the game last night how he's handling this rotation, and he basically said that he's handling it well. That he gives him extra rest. Um, yeah, sure, he would love to play every game and get into a groove, but with so many games coming up, it's not like you're sitting a long time to get out of that groove. So uh, he's handling it maturely, and we'll see what continues, who starts game one of the playoffs. I, I still think it's going to be Flurry. I just don't think you trade for Flurry and not start him. And, and the one thing... Like uh, Cam Talbot has played great, as I just mentioned. The guy hasn't had a regulation loss in 13 appearances, right? He's 9-0-2 in his last 12. And to me, though, that second goal that he gave up in St. Louis the other day, the bad goal to Justin Falk, obviously a great snipe, but you got to stop that puck. That's the type of thing I think will be in the minds of the wild coaches come playoff time. You know, it's just one of those things that it just, a goal cannot happen. It took a team that was just dead and it gave them life. And you knew the second that Justin Falk scored that goal that they were going to figure out a way to tie the game up. And Braden Shen flies right by uh, Jordy Ben and scores the tying goal in the wild, at least get to overtime where they had a major, major mess up in overtime. And here's how that went. So <clears throat> after the game, Dean Evison basically said that there's a three-on-three system and they didn't they didn't follow their instructions. So um I've done a lot of digging into what happened on that play, and there and it really starts with Kirill Kaprizov. You know, they are taught on a three-on-three. So the Wild win the draw amazingly to start the overtime. Erickson Eck, right back to the defenseman there, Jonas Brodin. They come into the zone, they have the puck for a minute five or whatever it is. And what they're taught there when you're tired is just don't hand the puck to the other team. Skate the puck out of the zone and allow for a line change. Well, Kaprizov didn't do that. He was dead tired because he played a super long shift and he just throws the puck in a 
traffic turnover. And now um, St. Louis has the puck. The Wild go for a line change. And here's where the next mistake happened. Kevin Fiala sort of played it like a five-on-five instead of a three-on-three. If you look at him, he's the first four-checker into the St. Louis zone. He's basically standing in the crease in front of Ville Husso, where he should be back to stop, to to make it tighter, to stop St. Louis having the ability to get a two-on-two up the ice. Well, he is way out of position. Now they have a two-on-two up the ice with him back-checking and almost cherry-picking, hoping the Wild would get a turnover, and then he'd be on the other side of the red line for potential breakaway. Hey, I get it. It's three-on-three. But so that's where the next start happened, the issue happens. Then they come into the zone, and the way I understand it is that the defensemen there are supposed to switch. And if and the defenseman is Alex Goligoski, the other defenseman, quote unquote, is Freddie Goudreau. Goudreau goes to switch, realizes suddenly Goligoski's not switching, and then he now comes back, and by that point he's out of position. Uh, Tarasenko sets up Thomas. Thomas receives the pass and puts a scorching one-timer by Cam Talbot. So it looks like Goudreau messed up, but really what happened was Goudreau was trying to do the right thing, realized Goligoski wasn't, and then that's when that mess up uh, happened. So, um, you know, Goudreau looks like he's the one that screwed up there, but it actually wasn't him. It is the way that I have been explained by different coaches uh, in the league and that the way they think the Wilds 3-on-3 system works. Um, so basically, it was a collective mess up, and it's a fast, fast game, and obviously it happened quickly, and the Wild lost in overtime. But they get a point in a game that, um, <clears throat> you know, look, has been a building that has been perennially uh, that they've struggled in. Um, but look, the Wild have to figure out a way to beat these teams. Against St. Louis, Nashville has absolutely destroyed them the last couple of years. The Wild haven't won in, uh, you know, obviously they didn't play Nashville last year, but but uh, the, the, Blue, the, the Predators, same thing, just have just beaten the Wild over and over again for fun, especially in Nashville. So this needs to change change if the Wild want to go on a long playoff run. As I mentioned, Mike Gensel is my guest today. Really cool interview. Hope you enjoyed it. But here's a word from one of our sponsors. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Well, as mentioned, happy to be joined by Mike Gensel, the former uh, longtime assistant coach and associate coach at the University of Minnesota, former Gophers defenseman, uh, former uh, star for Greenway High School, and now a longtime Coyote scout. I think your fourth season, Mike, with the Coyotes. And, um, um, it, it, you know, just how has life changed since you went from the coaching world to the scouting world? Well, I would say my blood pressure is better now than it was when I was coaching. Uh, I tell a lot of people when I got out of coaching, I mean, when you start coaching or you're in sports, it's always a thrill of victory and the agony of defeat. And I think at the final couple of years when I was coaching, it was like the relief of victory and the agony of defeat. I mean, yeah. so, you know, it's just like every night it's a challenge. Coaching is better. Players are better. You know, technology is better. So it was just hard. But uh, I've enjoyed the scouting and less pressure. And I really like to watch, you know, the best players in the world play pretty much every night. Now, you use the term get out of coaching i mean do you think you're totally out of coaching is this your new life yeah i want to I, I, I like what i do i'm doing i love to be in pro hockey i always had a goal of trying to be in pro hockey obviously at, at one point it was coaching but uh you know now you know the pro scouting is great and you know maybe someday there may be maybe an opportunity to work in a management type of position so you know i i love the game i you know i follow the game closely and you know i still find myself when i'm sitting up here coaching watching systems and structure of the play but i'm also right now trying to dial in on the on the ability of these players more so than anything and obviously uh mike is also the dad of 
of uh, Jake Ensel, who's the star of the uh, the Scribes, which is uh, the my donkey hockey league team. Uh, he, uh, by the way, I have him on the third year of a four year deal, and Ben Hankinson <laughs> did an awful job for Jake in this contract. I got him at a steal, um, and I am in the championship against against Anthony Lapanta. So we need Jake to have a couple good weeks here coming up, starting Monday. Uh, but man, just another. You know, incredible year for Jake. Uh, it's just, uh, you know, I, I remember when he burst on the scene. I covered those, those that Stanley Cup final there with, with against Nashville. I was, it was one of the, my proudest, coolest moments as a beat writer was being on the ice with you, your sons, yeah. and your wife as Jake is parading the the Stanley Cup. I have these incredible pictures of you, family pictures of you guys celebrating with him on the ice, and you just got to be so proud that that was not just one. Fluky playoff run. I mean, this this guy has been a star for now what five years. Yeah, you know, it just every time somebody asks me about it or looks at you and says, "Geez, your kid's playing in the NHL or whatever." Like, even as a player when I was growing up, my goal was just to get one game in the NHL. When Jake got called up, I remember getting the call the night before, and I was just hoping he could play in the game and not make mistakes and mm-hmm. you know get his feet wet in the NHL. And lo and behold, you know, he has a Stanley Cup run and has some success in the playoffs, and then a year and a half later, signs a nice contract and. You know, this year we were fortunate enough to be able to travel along with him to go to Vegas for the All-Star game. So it's been a remarkable run. And then to see him have the individual success. I mean, I watch these games every night and I know some nights I'll go home and I I might watch his shifts a little too critically. And, (laughs) you know, I'll call him and he'll remind me that, you know, he's an he's an NHL player and all this. And I got to remind myself this is the best league in the world and, you know, that he's doing well. But, um, you know, it's just remarkable to me to sit up here and see the quality of players that I watch every night and to think of him having a 40 goal season or a 33 goal season this year I mean it's just it's pretty special and leaving last week when we were here watching him play against the wild I mean you know I I I can't tell you what it you know you're walking outside the building coming into the rink and people are wearing 59 jerseys outside the same the uh, XL Energy Center in St. Paul I mean it's phenomenal yeah it's got to be unbelievably humbling and that game you come as a fan with your family or you're up here yeah no Jake gets us a suite when he comes in and you know he uh, basically this year uh, did a wedding party of his family that you know was involved in our in his wedding in Florida this past summer. So the her immediate family and our immediate family, we had a nice suite in the corner. And you know every year we've seen to locate in a different corner of the rink. And this year it was kind of neat and it was a great vantage point. And unfortunately it was 250 feet away from where he scored. But uh, the year before he scored right in front of us, so it was kind of neat. But it's just a fun weekend, a fun day, actually a fun couple of days when he can come home and eat with us at our place, and then we can all come down here before the game and have fun downtown St. Paul and then go to the game. I remember that wedding in Florida. I think I spooked you because I texted you asking you how the hotel was because I don't know if you remember, I have two of my best friends live in Atlanta, Evan and Becca, and they happen to be at the hotel and they text me. He goes, do you know a Gensel that plays in the National Hockey League? I'm like, yeah. He goes, well, we're, we're with them as they're taking their wedding pictures on this, <laughs> yeah. at this hotel. And it's like, what are the chances that uh, I would even know? Yeah, that? I remember that. Yeah. yeah. Oh boy, was it hot down there at that time too. That's all I can remember is how hot it was there. So, yeah. But it was a fun weekend. The thing I always just am struck by Jake is, and I saw him here obviously last week, and you see him out of his you know hockey uniform, and he's not a big kid, no. and yet uh, he competes so hard in the corners, um, and, and he doesn't even have that hockey build. Like a lot of smaller players that compete like that, they got that you know tree trunk but lower body. Well, where does that come from? Jake's just um, you know just incredible compete and willingness to go to the tough areas. 
Well, Jake's had it ever since he started playing hockey. Like, I mean, he he competed to make teams before he was actually. I mean, he was a Mike competing to make a squirt team, and you know, he just has had that fire and that drive, and you know, play behind the net. Now he's learned, you know, obviously playing with a great player like Crosby and playing with the players he does in Pittsburgh, where he's got to establish net presence on the power play. I mean, listen, you can read about him. People think that he's not Patrick Hornquist, but he's not built like Patrick Hornquist. But you know, right now the way he, I think his net presence is pretty good, and I uh, saw a stat the other day. I mean. For me, it's still incredible at his size, and he's not a big guy. You're right. Mm-hmm. I mean, but he's, I think, fifth in the NHL in, in shots in the slot area this year. So he's willing to go there, even though some people might want to criticize him that he's too small or he gets knocked down. But you know what? He gets right up and he gets in there. And I'm proud of that for watching him because I think he's got the, the right energy and the right drive. I'd like to see him have a puck a little bit more, but he realizes where he's best suited to play on that power, yeah, power and play. He's a heck of an athlete. I watched him. Uh, I got it. I mean, this is like the coolest part of the job when you get to be in the bowels of the arena at a pregame skate and watch uh, you know Crosby uh, and I think it was uh, I believe it was Bron- Crosby and Brian Rust versus Jake and Evan Rodriguez yeah. I could be getting the team wrong but they kicked Crosby's ass yeah. in this uh, soccer tennis game before the pregame skate and he was unbelievable watching him play that I mean he, and he was a baseball player yeah. too and everything right yeah competitor I mean that you know and I see this stuff on Twitter when they put it out in the mornings and stuff and you know Jake's graduated from where he had to go on the ice every day for a game day skate to now been able to take the option so the option for them <laughs> is to have the, the Aki sack or the soccer or whatever it is downstairs before the game on game day mornings and that's her sweat and getting ready for the game that night so you know he's uh, he's very competitive in that too and you know when you have Sid on the other side in the game you have no choice but to compete yeah. so you know I think that brings the best out in Jake I mean he's been fortunate to sit next to him in the locker room from the first time he ever laced up his skates to play for the Penguins and you know how can you not be able to have your eyes wide open watching how that guy prepares and what he puts into being as great as he is every night. Um, you, you know, and, and I know I don't want to put you in a tough position because you work for the Arizona Coyotes, but uh, putting your dad hat on, how much is Pitt, like Pittsburgh is having a great year? They look like another again true contender. How much is it to do with just getting better goaltending this year? Like Jer- Jerry last year in the playoffs had a little struggle, and it just feels like right now he's in the midst of an incredible year that makes him a true contender in the East. Yeah, you know, up until the time they came here and they played Casey DeSmith when they played the Wild here a week and a half ago, but he he's he's hit a little bit of a hiccup here right now and, mm-hmm. and maybe some of it's been overplay he's really played great this year I mean he arguably has been their best player from day one this year so I give him a lot of credit because he had to wear it last year in the playoffs he was mm-hmm. not good and everybody reminded him all summer long he was not good they reminded Ron Hextall he wasn't good but Ron stuck behind him and Casey rewarded him with the or uh, Tristan's rewarded him with a great year and you know hopefully this year he can go in and you know I think a lot of these guys want to fast forward to the playoffs and uh, prove themselves because uh, you know that's where people kind of judge these guys more so now than uh, than maybe the regular season. I got a question for me, Ryan Gensel. Okay. Um, wants to know if you uh, watch Jake play fr- like from an old school type and him and always critiquing and evaluating Jake or do you watch it more like a father type and just ex- really enjoying the games and he said it's definitely not the second answer. <laughs> He's probably 100% right. There's nights when he probably enjoys sitting there with me watching Jake and maybe that's if we're uh, at Buffalo Wild Wings or some establishment and we've you know had a little pregame work up but uh you know what I, I i listen i still play the game you still want to see him be successful and you know i think that's where our competitive nature is and there's nights where i know i can call or text him afterwards and there's nights that i know that i better leave it alone mm-hmm. and uh you know i had a nice dialogue with him yesterday after they lost in the afternoon and you know he realizes where things are at but uh yeah there's some there's some competitiveness and some critique and that's probably the coaching in me as much as anything yeah let's talk about uh, your time over at the university of minnesota you were a standout at green 
Greenway High School. Um, somebody, by the way, asked me, let me find this email, uh, wants to know if you remember, oh, excuse me, in college, what your face-off percentage was. No, I don't remember what my okay. face-off percentage was. So he said um, that, that uh, you know, you were a defenseman, obviously. He goes, this is from a, the, your former student manager. He emailed me. He said that you took a draw on your last shift of your last ever home game. And uh, he said that, uh, that, you, that you told the coach to put, or somebody told the coach to put him out there for the draw and you won it. Huh? So you well, don't remember this? No, I don't remember Maybe that. That's not true. No, I, I, you know what? So Kurt I was Bartles f- is the one. Uh, do you remember Kurt? Yeah, I do. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was a forward in high school, but as much as I played defense, and then I, I think my last year in def- uh, high school, I became a full-time defenseman. Mm-hmm. But that was more because of the lack of depth we had at Greenway. But uh, so I had some experience at doing it. But maybe that was the all-senior moment in the last home game. Uh, somebody asked me, and of course I can't find the name of uh, assets. Uh, what you guys felt about John Casey transferring to Grand Rapids, and would that have changed? Your high school career because he that you, he said that you guys won a state Bantam in, at Greenway with him. We won the state Bantam championship my second year at Bantams. John was a year ahead of me, and John was already at Grand Rapids at that point. But his brother Dave was on our team. Okay, and Dave was a forward, and that's where the you know our depth became a real problem. The year before we did, we would have had a good team, and you know Grand Rapids obviously benefited, and that's what was going on a lot at that time. I mean, there was the paper mill in Grand Rapids, and kids from Hibbing, or you know in our case the Casey's moved over there. And bought a home and you know it affected a lot of programs in that area so we would have been more competitive whether we had been deep enough to beat them even with them not having John Casey is another question but we would have been a lot better yep. what was it like playing for the U um, you know what? Listen, it, it, back then, it's way different than it is now. I mean, I used to go to the library every day when I was in high school and just to read the paper, to read Sid Hartman's column or get the Minneapolis paper to, to read about the Gophers because when I lived up north, you never could read anything about the University of Minnesota. But it was a big deal for me if I could watch a Gopher game on TV. And most of the time, it was when they played the Bulldogs and they would televise it in the Duluth area back up to the Iron Range. But I just, I knew, you know, the, the aura of Herb Brooks there and I knew the aura of some of the high-end Minnesota kids had decided to go to the U and I get that that for me that was the draw I wanted to play at the Mm -hmm. U and you know I took five visits and it was my last visit and I was fortunate enough to be hosted on my last visit by Neil Broughton who had won the Olympic gold medal the year before and came back that year and he was hurt at the time but you know that was probably icing on the cake that Neil could be a host there and you know I had a lot of good friends that I played with in high school and against in high school that went to the U too and we had a really good class so it was fun. So you went to the U back when uh, before they had scooters that would uh, you could just drive your scooter to (laughs) Yeah, no, no, we hooked it around. We walked around. Yeah, we didn't have cars or anything. Yep. And then you, uh, and then uh, you start your coaching career with the St. Paul Vulcans. Yep. I started uh, when I was a freshman at the university. The senior captain was Kevin Hartzell, and Kevin Hartzell and Paul Osby were the Vulcan coaches at the time. And, and the and at that point, the junior program wasn't as big of a deal in the USHL as it is now. But. Um, Paul left, I think, a year after I got done playing pro. Paul left, and Kevin called me out of the blue and said, hey, I got an opportunity here. I would be like to talk with you, and next thing I know, I met with Stan Hubbard, and we sat down together as a group, and I became a coach, and then I went to my first practice and said, now what have I got myself into? <laughs> like, I had no, I mean, you think you know it, you think you understand it, but until you get out there and put a whistle around your neck, it was so much different for me, but I, I jumped in as deep as I could. I had a great mentor in Kevin, and uh, Stan 
Stan Hubbard, you know, sent me to speaking classes, sent me to different types of things to to help my performance. And, wow. you know, it was really uh, the start of me doing it for seven years there. And then I went to Omaha and then I ended up going to 20 some years with the Gophers. So, yeah. you know, that's how it kind of all started. It was a phone call from Kevin. But as much as anything, maybe his respect for me as a younger player at the U um, when he was a senior captain. Yep. 14 years uh, there. Then you wind up leaving for two and coming back for eight before you've uh, now been at the Cody's four years. Um, before we talk about the 2002 and three championships, I, you know, like what is the pride level when you go out there and you still see an Alex Goligoski out there or you see a Paul Martin on the University of Minnesota's bench or Nate Schmidt or Brady Shea uh, starring right now? Obviously, you coach Keith Ballard yeah. and Jordan Leopold and, and not to mention all the great forwards he had there with Vanek and yeah. Kessel and all, so on and so on. I mean, it's still so neat. I was in Pittsburgh a month ago and they played Carolina and I got to chat with Brady afterwards. I mean, obviously, you're proud. I mean, it, it kind of you know, you go back to the times where you remember recruiting them kids and they come in and they didn't have hair on their face and now where they're making millions of dollars and see where they're at with, you know, wives and families and stuff. I mean, it's just, it's really special. It's unique. And, um, you know, to feel like you had a part of helping them grow, not only as a player, but as a person, it's, it's really a neat. I mean, I, I still have, you know, Mikey Riley and Brady and guys like that. I mean, Goose is still here at 36. I mean, it's remarkable, but we had such a great run of developed high school Minnesota defense when the came to the U and was fortunate enough to be able to work with them and help them along even more so to get to the next level. So it was pretty neat. But a lot of it goes back to quality players being developed in youth hockey in high school and then me having a chance to touch them for three, four years at the U. Am I remembering correctly that Nate Schmidt came there as a forward and then you guys moved him back to D? Or no, am I, Nate, or who Nate am I was, thinking of? Nah, um, I don't. Rem- I don't. I can't recall right off the top okay. of my head. I have to think about it. But Nate was recruited as a defenseman, okay. and then I left, and Nate played his first year. But Nate played forward. Okay, that's what it is. Um, and then okay, and then he actually was thinking about leaving. And then I got hired at right before the draft here that year when they had the wild host of the draft. And you know, Nate and Tom had called me, and we talked about the fact that I was going to come back and you know be in the recruiting part. That was piece of him coming to Minnesota so he decided to come back and he did an about face with his development in his, in his program in the summer yeah. and just put a lot of time and effort into it and came back and was an all-league all-American type of player sophomore and junior year yeah I'm always amazed at stuff like that like uh you know Jake Gardner played pretty much forward in high school then became a defenseman and then I remember my first year cover or my one year covering the U in the 12 lockout I think Justin Hall was playing forward for you guys yeah, in the was. fourth line and now he's still in the NHL as a defenseman yeah I mean it's a great yeah. story because Justin Hall came the, the year we Justin Hall played defense for me my first year back, and we went to the national turn or the Frozen Four, and then the next year we bring in Riley and Shea, and we got to move Justin to forward. Right, and then the following year, you know, guys leave, Schmitty signs, and then we move Justin back, and then Justin scores with point six to beat North Dakota in the semifinal game. So, you know, a special kid uh, that would be able to willing to do that, but he was a team guy. What was Galagoski like in college? Really good. Yeah, you know, really good, and like I, I have a lot of appreciation for a guy like Alex Galagoski because. He literally committed to us his senior year in high school out of the elite league. Wasn't one of these 14, 15-year-old deals, hold his hand, get mm-hmm. him to the university. Like he he developed, got better and better as a high school sophomore, junior, senior, picked the U, came in and made an incredible uh I, I impact in our program right from day one. He was a good, good, good yeah. college player for three years. 
0203, Dylan wants to know your best memories of, of that championship, those championships. And uh, I, mean, I'm one, I mean, what a blue line you guys had. And Jordan Leopold, I think, is the last Toby Baker from, from the uh, winner from the University of Minnesota. Yeah, you know, I, my best memory of that whole thing was probably a 10-day experience of starting in the regional when we had to go to Yost to win, to get here, and knowing that it was in St. Paul. Um, the pressure to win that game to get here was big. And then I, I just remember, like it was yesterday, leaving the hotel down the street, and it used to be the Radisson, and just walking down the night mm-hmm. that we beat uh, Maine here and just taking it all in and what it meant to the people. Like the Gophers are playing for the national championship tonight, and, and then to come out here, and, and like I think there was 20,000 people, and just to hear the rouser and how loud it was, and then to score in overtime. I mean, it just was so dramatic, and you know, just the way it worked out. And then Grant being the non Minnesota guy, and you deal with that with some of the people. Um, you know, everything, you know, Jordan Leopold coming back and winning the Hobie Baker, and us sitting there the day before between the semi and the final, and them announcing that he won it, and how you felt like this kid, what a special year he's having. And yeah. then the next night we go out and, and we win the title, and then, you know, obviously back it up the next year. But it just was a great group of guys, unbelievable leaders with Johnny Pohl and Jordan Leopold, and just tremendous players throughout our lineup that yeah. were really impactful and, um, you know, just had a good run. Yep, and Vanek was pretty good too, right? <laughs> yeah, Thomas, uh, you know what, Thomas came in, and you know, I tell people to this day, I mean, I see guys leaving college hockey and score 25, 30 points in the season. Thomas had 35 goals his freshman year and came back for his sophomore year, like, and, and backed it up and did it again. I mean, it's like, you know, Thomas was a special, special player, and he was, you know, a power forward at that time where you didn't really know that power forward was yeah. a term in hockey. I mean, yeah. he was a big, strong specimen in college hockey. What do you think of the Gopher season this year? To lose their goalie uh, midway through, put, throwing close in there, and get themselves to the Frozen Four? Well, I mean, listen, it's so hard. I, I, I've just been kind of taken back here a little bit the last couple of days. Everybody thinks that, you know, you have to have old players and this and that. You know what, Michael? You have to have good players, right? Yeah. I mean, it's in the NHL. Like, you have to have good players. I mean... Th- if you have good players, and yeah, you want to have experience, but is experience age or is experience games played? I mean, you got a lot of guys that play in the NHL that are 18, 19, now they're 24, 25, like McDavid and McKinnon, and these guys are good players. I mean, they're not old. They're just really, really good players. And so that's my argument. You just need really good players and a good plan. And, um, you know, the Gophers, I think, had a really good year to get to the Frozen Four. You know, it always seems to be make or break, or it's a bust year if you don't win the whole thing, but it's so hard to get there, and it's so hard to win it. Yeah. You have, uh, obviously, Nathan Smith in uh, in um, Arizona. You have Jack McBain that just went there. A wild draft pick. Um, you know another guy that I'm sure everybody's after is Ben Myers. I know for a fact the Wild are meeting with him here in the next day or so. Um, what do you you've watched a lot of Ben Myers this year? I mean he looks NHL ready. Do you, do you buy the hype with him? Yeah, you know what? When I watch players, like you know, the more you're around this thing, I mean, he's got he's got lower body strength. You know, he's got he's 200 pounds. He's got some weight to his game. I think he can play on both sides of the puck. Um, I don't know if he's going to drive a ton of offense, but he's going to provide secondary offense, and I think he's going to be able to skate and check. Um, and you know what? He's to me, I think his drive and energy and, and second effort is is what's going to help him. Yeah. Um, back to your family. Uh, so Ryan uh, tells me that you guys have some crazy, crazy golf me- uh, games, the boys and you, every summer. He said the biggest difference, though, is that uh, you used to be terrible at golf. Uh, now you are gotten a lot better the last couple of years, which makes for a lot more fun out there. <laughs> which I think, I think <laughs> well, says something about your attitude when you're not playing well yeah, in these round robins. Yeah, it's, I mean, I used to be better, and then I had a dip. 
and then I got new clubs, and then I got a little more practice ready and focused and spent more time at it. And now it is really a fun time. I mean, it's gotten to the point where I can hang with them and I can win with them. I mean, one of my best mom- moments came a couple years ago when Jake had this wild idea that it, the one day with the three boys and myself that we needed to play from the tips at Stone Ridge. And I'm like, man, that's a long ways. Like, And I walked up to the seventh uh, hole, and those guys had already hit, and those guys are hitting like uh, – you know, I think it was like six irons or something like that. And I pulled out a seven iron and knocked it in the cup. And those guys were, I mean, they could not believe if dad hits one in from the cup, from the tips <laughs> on a, gets a hole in one at Stone Ridge. So it's been fun. Wow. I enjoy being with the boys. Uh, Wild Boys wants to know your favorite current golf gopher. My favorite current gopher. Um, geez, you know, I still recruited a couple of those kids on that team. Really? Um, yeah, like, you know, the, some of the defensemen, I mean, uh, Michael Kester, we recruited, and uh, Ryan Johnson was a big recruit for Scotty Bell and myself, and, you know, I, I don't know if I have a favorite. I mean, I really personally like Sammy Walker a lot. Yeah. Um, just because it's if you're a captain for three straight years at the university, you have some special qualities, and Sammy's got special qualities. Now, people might expect more great things from him as far as production or whatever, but I thought he was a very productive four your player and when you wear a C at the U for three years that's a special honor yeah uh, Dave uh, wants to know what do you miss most about coaching and what traits of coaching junior and college hockey translates best to being a scout what I miss most is going on the ice Monday through Thursday in practice. Like I said before, I mean, it kind of got to be a relief if you won. I enjoy the Monday through Thursday, the work you put in with guys, the work that the guys put in with you to work on their individual skill set and then doing practice drills and seeing how hard guys work to prepare for the week. I mean, that's the biggest thing. And I think what I really watch here, like as a scout right now, is just the effort you know who's on the puck do they play both sides of the puck their intelligence their compete level their second effort level I mean on pucks I mean some guys play a lot on the outside and are very skilled and I I saw a guy the other night people raving about a guy gets nine shots on net great night offensively but not one of them was from the slot and if you come watch an NHL game there's not many goalies they're going to give up goals from outside the dots in the league unless there's a high screen level in front of the net so um, some of that stuff I, I realized when I coached um, I think it's you know it's important for scouting just to see how what you thought of a player is and everybody's had different thoughts and size I mean size skill speed you know you look for certain intangibles but I look for some of the things like second effort and and the will and the, as much as the skill. Um, do you want an update on the uh, Penguins game by the way? Uh, if they're ahead, yes. One nothing Penguins. Uh, Crosby from Malkin and Latang. And uh, plus one for a guy named Jake on the power play. Uh, no, no, no couldn't plus have been. One. You know yep. what? That's one of those plus that came one. off to the. I must have came off a TV timeout and loaded up the three guys on the one line, and they've been doing <laughs> that a little bit. So yeah, good. So Jake is not uh, playing with Crosby right now, or yeah, he's or, been okay. with Crosby, but they they uh, those guys don't kill penalties. So when they come out of a okay. penalty kill or a TV timeout, he, or right before a TV timeout, he loads up those three and puts them out there and um, tries to get something out of them just to yep. keep them in the game. Yeah, yeah, definitely, uh, definitely even strength. So uh, plus one for against good. us so and far. That's good. I like um, that. Last couple minutes with uh, with uh, you, Mike. Uh, Stick on ice guy wants to know what's a typical work week like for a scout pro scout. What is your what is your uh, I mean, this is pretty much your territory in Minnesota, but what else? Yeah, I cover the Central Division. This week, I, you know, I'm trying to do a little bit more on the West now before the season ends. We're doing a lot of work on free agency. Once a trading deadline's over, you start thinking about July 1 and who's going to become UFAs, you know, the RFAs, who might get qualified or not get qualified.
qualified. So there's a lot of work there. But Monday and Tuesday is kind of your schedule and your maintenance and, you know, working on your lists and finishing and re reports and then figuring out your travel for the upcoming week and then dialing in with your games, whether it's TV, video games or going to live games and watching games. But, you know, you're trying to follow injuries and transactions. I went to a game this weekend and I wanted to see an organization top three prospects and all three of them were out with injuries. So oh, you show wow. up at the game and see the line chart and you go like, oh boy, wasted trip. But, you know, I don't know if there's never a wasted trip because there's going to be somebody there that could help the Tucson Roadrunners or, you know, might be a guy that, you know, like a Freddie Gaudreau who bounces around all of a sudden he becomes a Penguin mm -hmm. last year and he's a good player and, you know, has a good relationship with the coach here and now he's an established NHL player at, what, 28? Yeah. So. Do you when, you, when you're doing your reports, do you literally for a game, will you do 20, 40 reports tonight uh, for every player in this game or how does that work? I try to do anywhere from about six to 12 guys when I come to a game. Like, you know, if I have the while, like I don't have the Kings, but tonight I'll watch the Kings maybe with some UFAs if they have some free agency guys in the lineup and see if those guys are candidates for us. I might try to watch their American League team and see, you know, if you're going to make a trade for an established mm -hmm. player to, you know, what kind of prospects they have. But I, I've so I've reported so many times on the while, like, you know, it's the same thing after over. Now, I'm, I come to the wild games the last 10 days and it's, you know, Middleton's new or Delorier's mm -hmm. new or Fleur, you know, Fleury was in my region and he just transferred in my region. Yep. So I'll pick up some reports on those guys, but it's just a dial in on the team and yep. see two, any changes. Two more questions for you. Okay. One, uh, Nate Prosser, you coached for one year at Colorado College, yes. I believe. Yes. Um, to see the career that he carved out, how cool was that? You know what? It's really incredible. I mean, you play with my son, Gabe, at CC, and, you know, I read all your stuff. I know you have a good relationship with Nate, and that's just Nate, right? He's, a, he's the best human being in the world. I was fortunate enough a couple years ago, and Jake took us out golfing at Spring Hill, and you have to go with the host, and our host was his father, you know, and you could see where, where Nate's Nate, dad, Chris. Yeah, yeah, you yeah can great see where, guy. You could see where <laughs> Nate gets it. Yeah. I mean, Chris is an unbelievable guy, and we had a really good time yeah. for four hours walking around Spring Hill that day. So, Nate's a, he's a quality guy, and he's just, you know, what you can see why organizations and management teams wanted him as a part of the group yep last question future of the coyotes um uh, you know i met bill armstrong down at uh the gm's meetings for the first time i met him great guy it seems like you got he is you know built grabbing a ton of draft picks and it looks like that you guys are going to try to build that way I, I, there's no doubt michael I, I try to tell people you know what like I, we're, there's a plan Mm -hmm. And the plan is is to build it up. I mean, I come to enough of the games right now. Now, in my job, I might be able to help us win a you know a trade by acquiring a good player. But you become a good NHL team by your draft and in, in, in development process. And we need draft picks, and we need to hit on draft picks, and we need to find the McKinnons and the McDavid's yep. of the world and the Crosby's of the world, the and, Gensels. And hopefully, you get some <laughs> of those. Yeah, when you're in the third or yep. fourth round, you find those guys, and yep. then you can supplement them with some trades and maybe a free agency guy here. But there's a definite plan, and I think. Bill, is, uh, he's got the support of the ownership to get it done. Well, hey, uh, Mike, I, I appreciate it. It's been a pleasure watching your uh, son. It's been a pleasure watching your son maybe win me a championship in the Anthony LaPanta uh, run fantasy league that I'm in. I hope all, so. All the CBA, all the collective bargaining agreement rules based on trying to get Anthony the championship, and I'm going in there as a spoiler this week to try I to hope get so. I wanna, I'll tell Jake yeah. to dial it. I'll call him and I on the way home and tell him to dial it up. It's an important two weeks for you. <laughs> Thanks, Mike. Okay, I appreciate thank you. it. Here's a word from one of our sponsors. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the 
remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. Thanks to Mike Ensel for joining Straight from the Source this week. Always fun to sit down and talk to Mike. I see him in press row all the time. Got to cover him a little bit over at the U in 2012 as well. And just a great, great guy. And obviously, uh, great kids, great family. It's uh, It was fun to sit down with him. Um, big week for the Wild Ahead. They uh, play the Edmonton Oilers on Tuesday night to wrap up this brief two-game homestand, then head down to Dallas. The Dallas Stars are 2-1 and one against the Wild this season, and then they go to St. Louis for an afternoon game on Saturday, a 2 p.m. game there. It is a uh, game that I feel like the Wild really need to try to exercise some demons against the Blues. The Wild are 2-7-4 in their last 13 games against the Blues. It, you turn that around in NHL math, and it's uglier. Uh, the Blues are 11-1-1 against the Wild. Uh, so as we know, there's like a 92% chance or even higher for the Wild to play the Blues in the first round. It's now time that the Wild show that they could beat this team heading into the playoffs. So that's a 2 p.m. game, and then the Wild will return home for a second of a back-to-back, a home game against the San Jose Sharks before going to Montreal next week. Um, I am sitting down with uh, Tim Peel, the former referee in St. Louis, on Friday. That podcast will be next week as well. I'll, uh, on Friday, put out a tweet uh, asking for questions for Tim. It should be a really fun sit-down. Uh, great guy. You know, the one thing about referees is you get to know them on a personal basis. And as much as sometimes you're critical of them publicly, uh, most of these guys are great guys. They love the game. They work as hard as any player. Um, and they're proprietors of the game. And Tim Peel was one of those for a long time in the NHL. Obviously had a, a sad uh, dismissal uh, to his NHL career that was ending anyway a month later. Uh, so it was an easy, easy um, you know, decision for the for the NHL to make an example of him. Uh, but it'll be fun to sit down with Tim Peel and talk about officiating in his career and things like that. Cool podcast across our platform as always. Always, speaking of referees, former NHL ref Dave Jackson, whose son Ryan, by the way, I believe is going to be uh, an NHL official at some point here in the next in the near future. A really good linesman. Uh, former NHL ref Dave Jackson joins Rob Pizzo, Sarah Sivian, and Jesse Granger on the roundtable on the Wednesday edition of the Athletic Hockey Show. And the Tuesday Athletic Hockey Show USA will Katie Strang, Ian Mendez, and Dan Robson join Craig Custance and Sean Gentilly on that show. So follow us follow us on your favorite podcast platform and leave a rating and review. Subscribe to the Athletic Audio Plus on Apple Podcasts to get all the bonus content from our entire network. This week Custance and Gentili provide the bonus content. Start with a 30-day free trial then just 99 cents a month after that. And right now get an annual subscription to the Athletic for just a dollar a month for 6 months when you visit theathletic.com slash straight from the source. Again, a dollar a month for six months when you visit theathletic.com slash straight from the source. Talk to you next week, everybody. Everybody.